Aloha, and welcome to another Candid Conversation. Today, we're graced with the presence of Metz Kramer. As you're all aware by now, Metz and I have been talking about the digital dealership for a series of podcasts. We've kind of done the introduction and, and the where we are and what we think about it. Today, we want to start a new phase of this discussion where we get into much more of the nuts and bolts. So with that, well, welcome aboard, Matt. It's good to see you. Thanks, Ron. I'd like to follow up your recent blog post, which uh, you called Your Audience, Part 1, Strategic Segmentation. And, and we've got another couple of parts that are following this. But you use the term audience. Let's, let's maybe start there. With the digital world, what in the heck is the audience? So the audience, and the reason I wrote, started writing the blog was um, audience is a word we come across more and more commonly. Um, and you see it often if you're using like email campaign platforms. They, they, they call it your contact list, but it's also your audience. Uh, and I think it was important to kind of start to put what we talk about in as far as dealership operations and dealership sales and marketing into a, a more modern context. And so I thought I'd start by looking at what does audience really mean um, in the modern time? Because in the digital world, even though a large part of our audience is unknown to us, we're still more engaged with that audience, those people, than we were before digital, you know, and so, you know, early on, I did the comparison between billboard advertising and engagement marketing. Um, and the, the billboard is really not an engaged tool. It's, and you have an audience for it. Anyone who drives by the billboard um, is part of your audience. But you, you can't really do much more than have them see it. And, and that's what's changed and why I think considering the word audience is important because now when we communicate with our audience, uh, and that can include anyone from a, a, a customer that we see every day to someone we don't know, when we communicate with that audience, there's uh, feedback. There's a way to measure a little bit of what's happening, and there's a way to pull the, the audience member or your that contact in to what you're putting out in front of them. It's, it, it's interesting that the term audience comes on. If we go back a hundred years, we didn't have billboards because we didn't have cars. Well, maybe 150. We yeah. didn't have radios. We didn't have television. Everything was local. You walked to it. So you knew everybody. It was a relationship world. As the car came in, and it's kind of interesting when you talk about automobiles in America, something like 1910, there were 44 miles of road in the United States, period. Um, then you, you bring in radio, you know, that's late 20th century or 19th century, late 1800s, early 1900s, televisions, 1950, all of a sudden, um, the relationship world changed because you, you know, you had to be, you had to own a car to see a billboard. So it's yeah. a narrow audience. 
you had to have a radio or you had to have a television. Um, and I was a young boy when we first saw television. So that's really a relative, relatively recent phenomena. With the internet, your audience is in the, the ether. It's everybody and anybody who's got access to a computer and that's worldwide. And that's probably, I think Facebook has 2 billion people that use their product. Yeah. And so it, it changes the whole context of marketing, doesn't it? It does. It does. One, because of who's looking and where and the new types of places, um, but also because your audience interacts with your content. I'm glad you brought up the TV because TV advertising looks a lot like uh, digital marketing, but you can't interact with a commercial on a TV. The only thing you can do is go out and buy it. Uh, but that there's no correlation there for the marketer to understand what happened. But with good digital marketing, there is an engagement. There, there can be a response to the content. Um, and that changes how the marketer can, can style or can create content or where to place the content. Yeah, and, and it, it, it becomes more complicated, too, um, from the relationship local walking around 1800s marketing to today with the internet there there's no geographical boundaries anymore that person who's coming in on the internet they might be in south america they might be in australia they might be in the middle east they you know we we, we don't know and so all of a sudden the challenges of territories and territorial assignment in the construction world you know i have an area of responsibility if I'm a, an equipment dealer, um, if somebody's coming in and asking for a part or a technical question, they could be coming from way the heck and gone outside my territory. For sure. And I think that's that's something that we can that I'll look at in my next blog, which is the, the operations piece, the regionality of operations. You know, the, there are definitely things you need to do. You don't want to waste your money advertising to people in Florida, if you're in Seattle and you're a dealer with territory limitations, you're wasting your money. So th that's a really important part that, that wasn't an issue before either. And if it's done poorly, you're just, you know, throwing your pearls in front of the pigs, as they say. Yeah. And, and, and if we use Amazon as the model and we look at where they started and we transfer that into our approach to the marketplace and the equipment world, um, you had a local bookshop. You had your clients. They would come to your bookstore. In some cases, you could sit down and read the books, or you, you know, you it, it was an adjunct or an extension of school. Um, and Amazon proved, well, wait a second, I can sell books anywhere. And yeah. a lot of the traditional booksellers are no longer in business. Classic example, I guess, is Borders is gone. Barnes and Noble's still here, but Borders is gone in in our world. Um, do you suppose that we're going to have a similar situation with the digital world in the construction space? I suspect we'll see some degree of it. I mean, uh, dealership agreements, etc., uh, manage that a little bit better than the retail world. Um, but I think. For that reason, audience and understanding how to to look at your audience and define your audience is really important. You know, it, before digital marketing, 
your dealership world consisted of your customers and the people who you did business with on a regular basis or you have done business with and potentially you know a small group of people that you knew existed and had documented somewhere but hadn't done any business with your prospects so you really had just those two groups your, your existing customers and your prospects and that was if you're if you were regional that was the people in your area and and that's what's changed a lot uh, for non-regionally limited dealers um, that makes a huge change because now the world does get very big and you have this huge piece of the, the unknown audience yeah yeah I'm, I'm gonna add a third element to that we've got our current customers i agree our current prospects i agree and then the customers that deal with our competitors in the marketplace people that are outside our reach um, because we typically don't pay much attention to them if i look at the the and and let me just use traditional without bringing everybody into it if i look at the four major construction brands caterpillar komatsu john deere and volvo and i'm going to upset a bunch of people that aren't included in that the chinese that but but stay with those four if I'm a, a, a Komatsu dealer, uh, typically I've earned the business of that customer because I took them away from one of the other three. Right. Or true in all of those cases. But the salesmen that we have working in our territory don't often go try and get business from somebody that they don't have any of our equipment. So it's kind of a... Right. A, 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 an accepted convention that I'm not going to mess with your brand if you don't if you stay away from mine, which is no longer valid. Yeah, if it ever was. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think it ever was. I'm one of these. Doesn't guys, make any you know, sense to me. Yeah, I used to tease people when I was involved in selling. I don't want all your business, but let me tell you when to stop giving it to them. You yeah. Know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But that that's yeah. another aspect of the digital world, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, the digital dealership is defined by being information driven. So step one is you've got your customers because you have accounts set up for them. Step two is know every single other potential customer in the territory you're allowed to work or want to work. You know, to, to not have them, to not collect that data consistently, to not continue to then add those people to your marketing strategy i mean that's yeah i remember back in in quebec early on in my career in the automotive space i could get from the provincial government license plate information for car owners yep so i could see the universe whether it was my brand of vehicle or not i saw the universe yep and i could make decisions on where I wanted to invest my money and yep. go after which products in the digital world. I've got to find a way to attract people to whatever I'm going to call it a platform for the moment, a platform I put out there so that I can identify them. They know who they are. They're out there in the ether somewhere, but unless yep. they interact with my platform, I don't know who the heck they are. Yeah. So I add a fourth element to it. It's my my customers, my prospects, my competitors' customers, and then the universe. 
Yeah. And the, the digital dealership audience is that large, isn't it? It is that large. It, it's, it, it consists of uh, a larger group than most people think. Um, certainly in the work that we've done for dealers to try and find more customers, it's stunning how long we can keep digging and keep finding new contractors or service companies or, or whatever. Um, and then it also becomes interesting to see how much data we can find on those people. So it's one thing to identify the companies that you know exist, but it becomes fairly straightforward to then find the people that work there through various platforms. And then even there, if you if you only find like some emails or, or some basic names, there's so much data enrichment out there that it's worth investing in taking that data and enriching it and understanding more about those people. So while they may be the, the unknown audience, there's actually a ton of information available to help you then segment that audience and understand who they are. I, I, I think we, I, I think that's really valid. And I think we also get to the place now where we've done a reasonably good job of setting the table and, and what the term audience means. Um, I, I think we might need to get more serious now on the next phase. So let's, let's change the station a little bit. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your support. Should you have any thoughts or comments, please don't hesitate to contact us at www.learningwithoutscars.com. The time is now. Mahalo.